When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the Post Media Off the Post Hockey Podcast. I'm Paul Chapman, joined by national hockey writer, and uh, I guess now we're calling him rumors expert as we're into trade season, Mike Trakos. <laughs> Mike, back from the All-Star Game, how are things? Pretty good. Uh, yeah, back from the All-Star Game, I thought we were going to have a little bit of a break here, Paul. And, you know, lo and behold, Toronto Maple Leafs, about a month before the deadline uh, kicks off, uh, got things started early. And good for them, because I think this is going to, sort of push the needle maybe it'd be that first domino that falls uh where other teams now are gonna maybe uh they understand what the market is set at and might see a few more trades before that february 25th deadline so just crossing our fingers that we get more things to talk about in the next couple of weeks well that look that's that's a fantastic place to start i'm always conscious that you're in toronto i'm in vancouver i'm trying to not harp on our home markets but the are we supposed to hate each other most- paul <laughs> well we can do that Feels like there should be a, more animosity between us just a, as a, a representative of toronto and you as a representative of vancouver it feels like we should have more of <laughs> some sort of back and forth here well what i can say is that uh i know you're like double digit minus temperatures right now and it's about 10 degrees and sunny here so maybe that gets it started ouch, <laughs> ouch. all right go eat your granola <laughs> put on your sandals <laughs> hug a tree I, I did ride my bike to work <laughs> Um, the Leafs are a, a fascinating team, though, because they are at the top of the standings. They do have Stanley Cup hopes. Um, and there's still so much speculation that the team isn't whole, that they need help on defense. They went out and got a good defenseman. They definitely paid a premium for it. I have to admire that and say they knew what they wanted. They know that this year is a year they have to make progress, and they did something about it. They got one of the guys that they wanted. Do you think there's more to come for the Leafs? Uh, I, I do think there's more to come, but I don't think it's as necessary as this move was. And this move was very, very necessary uh, if you believe that the Leafs are uh, a championship contender. And uh, beyond all that, like you've got to think next year they're going to have uh, Austin Matthews um, under a new contract that's going to be a rich contract. And same thing with Mitch Marner and Kasperi Kapanen. And you know th- this year is really their window. And it's funny to talk about windows of opportunity when you're talking about a team where the bulk of their players are under the age of 23 but you know like let's face it uh, Chicago won a Stanley Cup where Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane were on their entry-level contracts Pittsburgh did the same thing with Malkin on an entry-level deal LA with Dowdy on an entry-level deal so you do have to take advantage of the fact that you're going to have some guys especially in the cap era 
that are making um, way less than they should be. And that's true of Marner and Matthews, who are both you know, combined. They're making less than $2 million this year. And uh, next year, that's going to jump up to somewhere close to $20 million. So uh, there's an opportunity here where Toronto might be able to kind of ice its best roster uh, in the foreseeable future. So why not take advantage of it? And why not take advantage of the fact that this team had $8 million in cap space to, to spend at the deadline? And uh, $4 million now is going to Jake Muzzin. But uh, I think that's a, a very solid gamble uh, when you consider that Muzzin still has another year after this one, uh, this one under um, under Leafs uh, service now. And, uh, you know, this is a two-year window where Toronto can really kind of go for it. And, you know, they're going to be going for it in the years after that. But then you get into the kind of Chicago problems and the Edmonton problems where uh, the bulk of your roster is being tied up into maybe three or four different players. I would suggest that Chicago and Edmonton's problems have been, while the same, very different in that once you win a cup, I know everyone wants more money, but you at least have that level of success there. When I sure. look at um, when I look at the Leafs, though, I, I, first of all, I think LA is a great market to fish in because you've got guys who have Stanley Cup and playoff experience, but they're clearly selling with the kind of season that they've had. They're looking at a major rebuild. But if the Leafs aren't done, where do you think they're going to look next? Do, do they want more defensive help? Are they looking for more grit on the fourth line? Do, is there a, a, a special team specialist they're looking after, or do you think they're pretty set now? Yeah, I think there's two ways to go with this. There's, there's rumors that the Leafs might be interested in a guy like Alex Petrangelo from St. Louis. And you know, I'm of the belief that that's way too rich of a contract. Uh, you're going to have to give up uh, possible roster players and top-end prospects uh, for a guy who, like Muzzin, is going to come off the books in a couple of years. Um, realistically, I think what they're looking for is some grit. And, you know, it, it's no surprise that Toronto, with all the skill and the speed that they have, uh, don't play a heavy game. And, you know, when they play teams like Boston or Washington or Nashville, um, that, that they do look a bit overmatched. Um, there, there was a quote coming even out of Columbus's Nick Foligno uh, after a Leafs game saying that, you know what, uh, once you guys, once you have these guys in a cycle game where you're um, playing along the boards, that they, they kind of shrink. And, you know, I, I think that's the challenge is can you win a Stanley Cup with pure skill? And it, you might be able to do it to a degree. But, you know, if the Leafs are going to have to play Boston in the first round, which it's looking like it's shaping up to be, and possibly maybe a Washington in the conference final, well, I don't think a guy like Marner or a guy like Matthews um, might have anything left in the tank by the time you get to that Stanley Cup final. So, you know, I, I think they're looking at a Wayne Simmons. Uh, they're looking at a Michael Furland and not just for their own needs, but I think they're also looking at it as if we sign one of those guys, that means that Boston doesn't get to sign them. That means that Tampa doesn't get to sign them. Uh, and, and that means that we have, to, we have them in our lineup versus we're facing them uh, in the other team's lineup. So it might be one of those kind of things that, you know what, uh, let's just, I, I guess uh, Nashville sort of did the same thing where uh, they were able to acquire, uh, or sorry, Vegas did the same thing last year where they acquired uh, Ryan Reeves uh, from Pittsburgh and then uh, um, sent, I forget who they also, they sent another player, I think, to the Penguins in, in exchange for that. It might have been Broussard. Uh, for the simple fact that they didn't want him going to uh, a competitor like the Winnipeg Jets. So um, well, one of those kind of scenarios. But yeah, I don't think they're done by any stretch and they've got the cap space to, to add another guy. I'm glad you brought up Furlan because he's one of those guys who's in, you know, in a market like Carolina, they 
just perpetually seem to be selling and his contract 1.75 seems digestible for pretty much any team that that's looking for grit in the playoffs. Um, I remember him wrecking Vancouver in the playoffs a few years ago when Vancouver was actually had the uh, home ice advantage in that series. He was just a destroyer when he was with Calgary. But this is a bit of an anomaly when you look at both the free agents that are available in the summer and some of the names you're hearing thrown out here, whether it's Matt Duchesne, Artemi Panarin, Wayne Simmons, as you said, Furland, Zuccarello, Dougie Hamilton, uh, Broussard in Pittsburgh, uh, Silverberg. Like, there's a ton of decent names out there that would lead you to believe that you know if you're willing to pay like the Leafs did with Muzzin stepped up yeah first round pick no problem there are guys out there that we may finally get one of these old school trade deadlines where guys get moved do you think it's realistically that some of these bigger names some real valuable and well-known pieces will swap teams before the deadline yeah that's a real good question like even the Muzzin deal it's not like you're straight up mercenary where he's just a rental player and uh, I'm real curious to see what a guy like Columbus or uh, Artemi Panarin from Columbus does at the deadline because that, that's a huge dilemma that the Blue Jackets have. Like right now, they're sitting third in the Metro Division. Uh, at the same time, all signs are pointing to the fact that Panarin's not coming back uh, when he once he hits UFA status on July one. So, uh, do you do you risk going for it this year, uh, knowing that this is a team that's never made it out of the first round and that? You're Quite possibly, he's going to have to play either Washington or Pittsburgh in the first round. Or do you, you know what, you know, cut your losses and say, uh, let's try to get as much as we can for a guy like Panarin, even though, um, even though it might cost us a playoff spot. And uh, I think a lot of teams are kind of going through that same problem. Like uh, a guy like Petrangelo, who's the captain of the Blues, I would never think that he would be available, especially considering that he's not a UFA. But um, it just seems like a lot of teams are kind of figuring out, okay, that w- whatever was working with their current roster isn't working anymore. And there seems to be a lot of need. And I think teams now, if they're going to give up a first round pick, uh, they want more than just uh, a couple months of service out of that guy. They want another year. And uh, we saw a bit of it last year, even at the deadline. And I think we're going to see even more of it this year. This is where I do find the NHL probably more fascinating than the other leagues. You, you- if I look at a team like Columbus and go, yeah, you're in a playoff spot, but can you realistically win the Stanley Cup? My answer would be no, because as you're right, not only do they have a tough first round matchup, they've got, you look beyond that. And they, I mean, any team can go on a bit of a Cinderella tear, I guess, particularly with the goaltending. But if you're not going to win the Cup and you're going to lose one of your key pieces, it makes sense to cash in on them. But I guess in places like Columbus, you, know, you want that playoff success. You want to get people engaged to buy tickets. Yeah, and it really is difficult because they lose Panarin. You know, you might make the playoffs uh, this year, um, but if you lose him at the in the summer, and you also lose a guy like Bobrovsky, it really is setting your franchise back. Considering you didn't get anything back for him, so it's a real tricky situation that they find themselves in. And I don't know about you, Paul, but like, are you the belief that sometimes it's good just to get in there, just to get in your the foot in the door and then worry about a Stanley cup afterwards. Or are you of the belief that if you're not one of the top five or six teams in the NHL, what's the point of even making the playoffs? You're better off just kind of bottoming out. Um, I kind of go back and forth on that just based on seeing some of the teams that have bottomed out and how they can't really flick the switch when they need to. Well, I I think central to that conversation is uh, again, probably unique to hockey is how much, of a windfall the owners get from playoff revenue. 
where they're not playing the player the players per se and they're getting all this gate to themselves that if you depending on the market um I mean, there's a tremendous amount of pride. We've already saw, seen Peter Shirelli fall by the wayside. I'm so sure. I'm sure that Peter Shirelli was thinking, if we just make the playoffs, and they're still on the hunt, if we just make the playoffs, that's enough to keep the Hounds at the door for another year, and I'll get to reset in the summer. But you know, a GM's not necessarily doesn't have the luxury of the long term rebuild. No, and, and especially like you said, in a market like Columbus, where you know what, uh, one of the things that I guess got brought up during this all-star break or game was you know san jose doesn't have a stanley cup and you know a lot of times they make the playoffs as the top team in the regular season but then they they don't go far but in doing so and always being competitive for the duration of the regular season they've been able to really kind of keep a fan base in a market that a lot of people didn't expect hockey to flourish and that that might be a better alternative than what Carolina has done, where you win a Stanley Cup one year, then every other year you're basically out of it by um, mid-January. So, yeah, it is difficult. Like for Columbus fans, um, this has got to be eaten at them. Uh, they booed Artemi Panarin the other night, um, last night's game, like when he was introduced in the opening uh, uh, for the opening faceoff, uh, he got booed, and that, that's a that's a difficult situation for him and for the franchise as a whole because you're trying to build something there. And I do like Columbus. I, I like a lot of their pieces. But if, if you're looking at a potential uh, end of season where you're losing your star goalie and uh, your points leader and forward, like how, how do you recover from that if you don't have anything to show for it in terms of recoup draft picks or prospects or even roster players? Yeah, and I'm sure there's a ton of high-priced free agents that are just – chomping at the bit to work with John Tortorella. So uh, we'll leave the first period there. <laughs> <Good> we'll, <point. laughs> come, <laughs> we'll come back for the second period in a minute where we will talk about the Canadian teams and how we think they're going to fare both at trade deadline and second half of the season. How's it going? I'm Dave Breckenridge. I'm the host of 10-3, Post Media's Canadian News Podcast. In every episode, we take a deeper look at major stories happening in Canada, talking with journalists who are on the ground from newsrooms across the country. So once Off the Post has you up to date with the latest in the hockey world, be sure to subscribe. You can find us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your audio. That's 10.3 Canada's News Covered. Welcome back to the Post Media Off the Post podcast. Um, Mike, I wanted to look at the fortunes of, of the Canadian teams. I and mean, when we talked, obviously, about the Leafs already, um, the fortunes are all over the place. Calgary, to me, are you know the surprise of the season. They are uh, rolling along with the best record in the West. Um, I know there weren't predictions for them to be there. Uh, I, I think they're kind of in the category with a couple of other teams. Maybe the Islanders have been hot of late that maybe people think they're playing a little above their heads, but there's no doubt they're for real and they have lots of talent. Looking at Winnipeg, who after a bit of a slow start have like kicked it into gear and they look like they're going to be, uh, if not the team to beat in the West at the end of the day, one of the teams that are there. And then you've got, you know, Vancouver and Edmonton in this constant rebuild and Ottawa, the worst team in the league. And of course, you got Montreal who are flirting with a playoff spot as well. But again, Montreal sort of in and out. Um, do you see a lot of activity for the Canadian teams leading into the trade deadline? Uh, yes and no. Like it's difficult. If I'm if I'm Bradshaw living in Calgary, I'm looking at my roster saying, you know what, I don't need to do a darn thing. Uh I've got James Neal that's sort of um <laughs> almost hibernating right now. <laughs> that's how I'd kind of approach it. 
where the guy is just, he's done nothing for the first four months of the season. I think he's got five goals and uh, a goal in each of the last three months, which is just awful. That's Milan Lucic type production. Um, at the same time, you talk to people in Calgary and they say, this guy is on the cusp of kind of breaking out and becoming the James Neal that we've seen in the last two years where he's reached the Stanley Cup final. And it could just be fatigue more than anything in a new home in Calgary that's uh, led to his drought. So if I'm the Flames and you can somehow get James Neal cooking for uh, maybe the final month of the season and into the playoffs, well, that's almost the equivalent of adding a guy at the trade deadline. Uh, so if I'm the Flames, I like everything that I've got right now. I don't think I had to add a darn thing and just kind of keep rolling with this roster. Now, if I'm the Winnipeg Jets, however, and last year they get Paul Stastny, and I think what they're missing right now is Paul Stastny. Uh, maybe not him specifically, but a guy that can center that second line. Um, feed the puck to Patrick Line, eh? who I think is in desperate need. Of, cold. Yeah, and why is that? Like, you look at Mark Scheifele at the number one spot, what he's able to do with Kyle Connor, who's just been red hot of late and all season. And um, you know what? When you got Brian Little as your second center, that, that is a huge drop-off in terms of production and talent. So the, the Jets have to find uh, their Paul Stastny this year. I think that's, you know, like that's number one on their priority list. Either that or, you know, find a way to get Patrick Line going and uh, maybe throw him with Mark Scheifele. And if Kyle Connor is going so hot, maybe he can um, do what he's doing on the top line uh, on a line with Brian Little. But something needs to be, they, they need some sort of injection there. And I don't know who the top line center is that they're going to be eyeing, but um, like a guy like Matt Duchesne would look great in Winnipeg. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it might be a tall order to find their Paul Stastny this year, but that's what they desperately need. And maybe when it, the uh, forecast says it's minus 35, it's a little tougher to get people well, to agree to go there, but that's the, probably that's the more thing, an issue eh? for the free agents. Yeah. If any team's got a, or any player's got a, like a limited no trade clause uh, where he's got teams that he doesn't want to go to, yeah, that, that, that could be the sticking point. I know that Stastny wanted to go there for obvious uh, familiar reasons, but um, I don't know what Duchesne's uh, status is, although it's not that hot in <laughs> Ottawa these days either, Paul. But, so let's talk about Ottawa. Uh, you know, bottom of the NHL standings, obviously they're in the lose for Hughes uh, draft lottery race rebuild. We kind of knew that from the start of the season, even though they got off to a bit of a decent start before the Uber scandal seemed to completely derail the season. But um, are they in full sell mode and do, do, do they have players that you think would be of value to teams in the playoffs? Yes and yes. Like they have to be in full sell mode. And, and in terms of lose for Hughes, well, they're losing for Hughes to go to Colorado because Colorado's got Ottawa's first round pick. So oh, of course, there, there's yeah. no there's no benefit there. So they they really, they're losing for themselves. Yeah, they, that would just be the ultimate um, you know, kiss of death for the Ottawa Senators and the fact that you finally win the lottery and, and you know Colorado reaps the benefits. So, um, yeah. but you know, like they're going to be at the bottom of the standings. Well, like let, let's face it, they're sitting with 19 wins right now and. Um, I don't expect them to climb up uh, much higher than either second or third worst in the in the conference. So, um, yeah, they got to start moving pieces. They got to figure out if Matt Duchesne's resigning or not. They got to figure out if Mark Stone is uh, signing or not. And if not, um, they got to get a big package for both of those guys. Like I, I like what Ottawa's got in the pipeline. Um, I really like Thomas Shabbat. Uh, I, I like a lot of their pieces, whether it's a Drake Batherson. Um, or a Colin White, 
Uh, they got a lot of up and coming prospects that you can really latch onto, but you know, that cupboard's got to be overflowing. If you're the Ottawa senators, it can't just be you know, littered with a couple guys here and there. So uh, they got to do their best to either figure out if Duchesne's coming back or not. And if not, you know, they, they got to get a first rounder and like some plus level prospects uh, to make uh, the fact that they don't have a first round pick in that uh, of their own first round pick um, that much more palatable. Well, yeah, you would think you don't have that pick, you know, that's, and all your players are on the market and you got some UFAs coming up. It's a perfect sort of recipe to maybe go out and try and claim some picks back. Um, but another team I wanted to talk about was Montreal, of course. Uh, you know, they're not, they've kind of been in the playoff picture all year. Um, didn't have Shea Weber for the first part of the year. I think you always look at Carey Price's age and that's a team to me that I think they're right on the fence. You look at, okay, should we really swing for the fence? Because you never know, as you said earlier, Mike, you get in, you got the goalie who, if he can recapture some of his past form, can take you a couple of rounds and who knows what happens. But they're also, they're, they're definitely not a team that you're going to see even people pick as a dark horse. I'm really curious to see what Montreal does at the deadline because they had some success uh, in the offseason moving pieces around. Yeah, and you know what, Bergevin's been pretty clear that he's not going to give up the future um, just to, to add at the deadline. And we'll see if he holds true to that word because – that's always the temptation of Montreal is that, you know, we've got Carey Price and we've got a fan base that expects a level of success. So we've got to give it to them. And, um, you know, with the team sitting right now, third place in the Atlantic division, looks like they're going to face Toronto if the season were to end today. Uh, you're right. There is a potential where Carey Price could just go um, really backstop this team all the way to the Stanley Cup final again. But uh, I think if they're going to make a move, it's going to be one of those fringe moves. Um, you're looking at maybe a second round pick or a third round pick or a B-level prospect. There's no way that they're uh, giving up anything that's uh, of worth. So a guy like Ryan Paling, who was the MVP at the World Juniors, I believe he's got to be untouchable. There's no way they give him up for a rental player or something like that. If so, then, you know, what, Mark Bergervan, uh, you won't be able to believe a word he says uh, in the future because... Yeah, that's the kind of move that's really bitten them before, whether it's giving up like a Mikhail Sergachev to Tampa Bay or uh, some of the other trades that have sort of blown up in their face uh, in terms of giving up prospects. So if you're Montreal and you get into the playoffs, I think that's a bonus. Most people, including myself, would have thought this team was going to be a lottery team this year. And it's kind of surprising to find themselves in the hunt. And I believe they're going to make the playoffs based on where things stand now. So let's finish the Canadian team talk by looking at uh, two teams in very similar positions, at least in the standings, and that's Edmonton and Vancouver now. Obviously, we did touch last week on the the mess that is Edmonton, and now you know, you've know you got rid of your general manager. You've already changed your coach, um, made some minor deals this year. So what's left but a blockbuster if they, you know, I, I can't see that on the horizon for them, but I think there's such desperation in Edmonton to show some progress. Uh, Vancouver. Same thing. They're saying all the right things. Let's stay the course. We're not going to give up anything from our future. We'd be interested in being more sellers than buyers. At the same time, they have this really attractive piece in Alex Edler. Had a fantastic season all around. One of his best seasons, I would suggest, in the last five, six years. Got some Stanley Cup experience. Um, UFA in the summer does have a no trade clause, but there has been a lot of talk about asking him to waive and then maybe trying to re-sign him in the summer, even though that very, very, very rarely wor works out. Do you see either of those teams making significant moves as we near the deadline. The two guys to watch in both markets were taken in the 2016 draft. And I'm talking about Yessi Pugliarvi in Edmonton and Ole Uolevi in 
Vancouver. Uh, finished teammates of the World Juniors. Both guys have been, you know, let, let's face it, um, enough time has passed since that 2016 draft where we can say that it's been sort of disappointing, um, the, the evolution and development of both guys. Yulevi still hasn't played an NHL game. And by my count, Puyarvi is uh, has there's eight guys who were drafted after him in that 16 draft to have more points, including uh, Matthew Kachuk, Clayton Keller, and Alex DeBrinkett. So, um, you know, I think both franchises would be dangling both players if it meant that they could get something, not just as a rental. Um, like for Puyarvi, I think you could ship him to Carolina where he's got some familiarity with Sebastian Aho back from Finland and possibly get either a defenseman or another forward uh, in return. And maybe it's someone that um, is similarly aged, um, hasn't done a whole lot there or has got some potential and maybe you sweeten the pot with a pick or something like that. But uh, I think it's time for both organizations to figure out what they've got in these guys. And if they're not going to be part of their future there, um, maybe you trade them for something uh, in return. And um, it, it will be interesting to see what both teams do. Obviously, Edmonton is not out of it. Uh, when you look at how far they are uh, from a playoff spot, I think it was like three or four points last time I checked. But you know, something has to change if the team is going to make that leap. And same thing with Vancouver. I like their chances at being in the playoffs. I think right now they're tied with Dallas and Colorado for that final wild card spot. Uh, at the same time, you know, these next two months are going to get real difficult. And when you've got a young team, maybe um, a little bit of veteran help would uh, go a long way, uh, especially when you're talking about. Uh, Canucks team that's led by a rookie in Pedersen. So maybe if you can turn your lovely uh, into a, uh, you know, maybe a second line forward uh, with some experience who has been through that before. Um, maybe that, like I said, could go a long way to ensuring that this team does get into the playoffs. Yeah, it's um, I'll, I'll tell you, we, we've been through the evolution of this trade deadline where we've gone through the goofy stuff on TV with guys not wearing ties or bringing in the pizza boxes but it's, <laughs> it, every year it's trended towards nothing happening so i'm hoping that we at least get a season where you know we actually see some significant moves here yeah the problem is like the torontos of the world who are saying forget february 25th that, that's the deadline but it doesn't yeah. mean i have to wait to 20 the 25th and i think that's a smart move like the leafs get now an extra month out of jake muzzin to figure out is he going to play on the left side or is he going to play on the right side with Morgan Riley? Um, how is he going to fit in with this group and uh, go from there versus, you know, you get a guy basically at the end of February and you're saying, okay, well, in about a month's time or six weeks time, we're going to be starting to play off. So uh, get going right away. So I think a lot of teams are treating it that way saying, you know, if I got a deal going today, why am I waiting a few more weeks? Let's just pull the trigger and get it done. Well, I got to say, if nothing is happening by that point, if all the business is done, I, I still can't get enough of Bob McKenzie and Ray Farrar just sitting around arguing about stuff. So <laughs> maybe we'll get some of that. Uh, we'll come back with a third period. Where we're going to talk about some of the NHL's hotter teams and some stuff that we can expect in the latter part of the season. How's it going? I'm Dave Breckenridge. I'm the host of 10-3, Post Media's Canadian News Podcast. In every episode, we take a deeper look at major stories happening in Canada, talking with journalists who are on the ground from newsrooms across the country. So once Off the Post has you up to date with the latest in the hockey world, be sure to subscribe. You can find us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your audio. That's 10-3, Canada's News Covered. We're back for the third period here at the Off the Post Post Media Hockey Podcast. Mike, 
You know, I, I mentioned something to you in an email when we were setting this up. I, I mean, I think it's hard to suggest that the Tampa Bay Lightning are an underreported story or flying under the radar. You know, they were they were one of the teams that was a Stanley Cup favorite going into the season. They have, you know, whether you put any stock in a president's trophy or not, they seem to be pulling away in the race for that. Um, they are really just a quality team, well run, lots of talent, don't have a ton of weaknesses. There doesn't seem to be a lot of buzz about them. Maybe that's because people expected this of them. Are Tampa Bay right now your favorites to win the Stanley Cup? Yeah. It, you know, Paul, it seemed like when the season started, everyone had just kind of penciled them in for the final. It was almost like, okay, I don't even care what Tampa's doing this year unless they're completely crap the bed. Um, I just expect them to be, you know, working in almost like yeoman's fashion and just get into the Stanley Cup final. And it's almost like, okay, I'll check in. I'll check back with you guys around uh, round two or round three when uh, things are going to get dicey. Uh, that, that's how good they were on paper. And that's, you know, they've lived up to those sort of expectations. Like, what do they have, like a 14-point lead or – uh, on the Toronto Maple Leafs for the next best record in the East. Like that, that's unheard of. So it, it will be interesting. You know, the, the funny thing about that, Paul, <laughs> if the season ended today for uh, as good as Tampa Bay has been, the reward for finishing first, they get Pittsburgh. <laughs> you know, can you imagine that? The lightning against the Penguins in the first round. It's like, I, I know Pittsburgh's got its warts this year, but we're still talking about a team with Sidney Crosby, Genny Malkin, Phil Kessel. Chris Letang, Matt Murray. Like, it just seems like that's a team that's just lying in wait and that you would not want to face in the first round if you're the Tampa Bay Lightning. So you know, you know, maybe they should sort of start bombing so that they can get Montreal or even Tam or even Toronto because I I'd rather face any of those teams in Pittsburgh. That, that, that seems to be the one team where I'm going, yeah, that, 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 they don't play like a wildcard team when the playoffs start. Are you a fan of this current playoff format? I, I mean, I know in previous podcasts we've talked about how it's, it looks like it, it is dead set that the Leafs will play the Bruins. And like the fact that we know that already, the way, and, and I know they're trying to promote different rivalries and ways to keep it interesting for teams in the playoff hunt. It'll never happen if I go back to my youth, the one versus 16, because I know they don't want to have a potential Edmonton versus Tampa Bay first round and add to the travel. But I would love some point to see the best two teams in the Stanley Cup final rather than losing a great team like a Pittsburgh or a Tampa Bay in the first round. Yeah, I, I, I won't go as far as one versus 16. I think that, you know, the, the travel doesn't make any sense. Um, but I, I am a favor of one versus eight I and mean, just getting rid of this wild card format. So uh, I haven't looked at the standings to see how much things would change. I remember one point during the season I did do that. And, you know, I, I think, there was very little movement um, as much as we kind of gripe and moan about the fact that the Leafs are going to have to face the Bruins. I think when I did check it, the Leafs are going to face the Bruins versus rather if there's a wild card team or not. <laughs> so it didn't but matter. I think the potential for movement and change is still there with half the season left to play. Right. I think that's oh, yeah. when you get locked into this. hundred percent. And you know, rivalries are great and it's great that the Leafs are or whatever team is always facing the same team and you do get those rivalries, but I, I sort of like the organic ones too. Um, not just kind of like, okay, you're forced to play this team because we're trying to create a rivalry. So yeah, it, it is kind of a bit wonky and it does take some sort of the fun out of those like late races uh, at the end of the season. You mentioned San Jose earlier because you were just in that market. Um, I, I always find that debate uh, a really good one. Like, would you rather have a team that kind of mortgaged their future and tried to win the Stanley Cup in one year and then fell off the table? 
Or do you want a team that's always there, always in the hunt, always a contender? Now, obviously, they did make a significant move in getting Eric Carlson. Slow start. Got to wait for things to get when you bring in a major piece. You got to wait for it to come together. San Jose really putting it together now. And one of those teams, you know, there's, they were seven and three in their last 10 going into the All Star break. Uh, they're a team that I would be wary about playing in the first round if I was in the West. 100%. Uh, I, I really like San Jose. Like you look at the roster on paper and they're so deep up front. And then obviously on the back end, um, they've got three potential Norris winners in Vlasic, Burns, and Carlson. And uh, I think the big X factor uh, is health. Um, is Joe Thornton going to be uh, able to play a full, complete season and a playoffs? And it's not just him who's kind of getting up in age now. Like uh, Pavelski's getting older, Vlasic's getting older. And uh, I still have question marks as to whether Martin Jones uh, is a goalie that can win a cup. Uh, I know he looked fantastic a few years ago when he did lead that team to the Stanley Cup final, but the, this year he's struggled a bit. And I think that's why San Jose's gone and got off to that slow start. But uh, I really like the Sharks. And it's going to be, you know, that, that Pacific, Pacific Division, like it's going to be Vegas and San Jose the way it's shaping up to be right now. And then possibly San Jose, Calgary. So um, a lot of people in the East complain about how tough it is uh, out there, but. You want to be the Flames, where you've got to go against the Sharks and possibly the second round, and then maybe the Jets and the or the the Predators in the conference final. Like, there's no matchup that's easy anymore. And San Jose, you know, they're such a well accomplished team. Where, um, you know, I, I know youth is great to have, and it's great to have young legs. But I'd also like to have a guy like Brent Burns and Eric Carlson who've been there, done that, and a Joe Thornton of Pavelski who fit that same mold who just know what it's like to win and uh, know what it's like to kind of face those pressures. And uh, San Jose's been there. They've been to the dance. Uh, they might not have won a Stanley Cup, but sure did get close a couple times. If we look at another team in the West um, it, that, that intrigues me, it's, it's the Nashville Predators. You know, again, a team that last year ran into the buzzsaw that was Winnipeg. Um, you know, they, they'd made this significant trade two years ago for P.K. Subban that worked out really well for them. Talk about the atmosphere in that building. Uh, they've had kind of an up and down season, slow start, then really look like they put it together. Haven't been as great of late, not bad, but definitely not dominating. Uh, while teams of Winnipeg and Vegas and San Jose have really come on. I look at the Nashville Predators and if there's a weakness, I, I say, I'm not sure they score enough goals. Um, that's a team that I can see having those serious conversations in the boardroom. Do we make a major move now? Because that's an area where we think we need to build on to win in the playoffs. Yeah, don't be surprised if Matt Duchesne ends up with the Predators at the deadline. Uh, I'm hearing a lot of chatter that, you know, David Poyle, like this guy loves to swing for the fences on a trade. Uh, in the last few years, I don't think any GM has been as active as Poyle has been. So, um, you know, he, he kind of worked the Matt Duchesne trade last year when they got Kyle Turris in that three-way deal uh, with Colorado and Ottawa. So, like I said, don't be surprised if uh, Duchesne's a guy that they're definitely eyeing. Um, just with, like you mentioned, like there is a, a problem with their forward scoring. Their, their defense has no problem scoring, <laughs> whether it's Ekholm, Yossi, or uh, Subban, or Ellis. Like all those guys can fill the net. But um, after you get past Ryan Johansson and Philip Forsberg, um, th there is a bit of a fall off in terms of uh, their next best forward in terms of goal production. So. Um, yeah, anything that could help um, up front, I think they're going to be looking for. Uh, I think they're going to be a major player at this year's deadline. Uh, and just for the simple fact that 
No, this is a team that's built to win right now. And uh, with Pekka Rene getting up there in age, um, I think you've got to sort of take advantage of what the Predators might not have in a couple of years. All right, Mike, we covered a lot of ground today. I think we'll leave it there. Thanks for your thoughts, your information as usual. I know you'll get back on the beat. We're sort of locked in now as we, we got the trade deadline, then the playoff chase, and then, of course, the playoffs. The NHL season is so regimented by our mileposts. I love it. Absolutely love it. You know what's coming. So thanks for listening, everyone. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Give us a rating. We will be back with Mike and talk to you next week.